Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country, and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shiny cars. It's been the same way for years. We need to change. Windy season is upon us here in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. And I know it's been a while since the last podcast, but I got a few reasons, or maybe they're excuses. Either way, I'm back now, and things have slowed down a little bit, so hopefully we'll be back to once a week. The good thing about it is it's free, so no one can complain. But we can complain about the wind here, even though we can't change it, because it has been severe lately. The boat hasn't been able to go out of the bay for like six or seven days because the winds have been so strong, which sucks for us because that's our busiest month of the year. But I think it's starting to settle down a little bit in uh, the last day or two we have been able to go out. So if you hear something that sounds like an airplane landing in my living room, that's just the wind trying to rip the roof off my house. The weather down here isn't predictable, so you can look at one particular website that has weather for maritime vessels and sailing and all that kind of stuff. And that's normally the best one that we've found to predict the wind. And it's supposed to be slowing down here um, the next week or so. So we'll see. But walking through town, you see people leaning sideways, trying to fight the wind and panels blowing off the roofs. And you go down the beach and you get sandblasted. And uh, I'm not surprised if it's hit 50 or 60 knots gusting, constant 30, 35 knots. It's pretty crazy. Everyone says that they've never seen it this windy this consistently. Normally you'll have one or two windy days here and there, but it's been crazy lately. 
probably has something to do with the Republicans and global warming. I finally went on a trip to the Corn Islands. And for those of you that don't know, the Corn Islands are two islands off the Caribbean side of Nicaragua. There's a big Corn Island and little Corn Island. And the way to get there from San Juan del Sur is to drive to Managua, then you get on a small plane, and you fly to, sometimes you stop in Bluefields, which is right on the coast, on the Caribbean side, and then you continue on to Big Corn Island. And then if you want to go to Little Corn Island, you have to take a boat, because there's no way to land a plane there. In my case, we didn't land in Bluefields. We went straight from Managua to Big Corn Island. And it's about 30 to 40 miles off the coast from Bluefield, so it's about an hour flight from Managua to the island. And flying over there, it was just a uh, twin prop plane. It probably seated 75, maybe 80 people. But coming back, it was a single-engine turboprop 12-seater. Tiny little plane. It was very cool to fly in that thing because it it flew low, and uh, you could see everything. It wasn't a pressurized cabin, and they got... I think 8,500 feet is where they got to, and you could feel the air getting thin. So it was pretty cool. It was like flying around back home with my buddies. But anyway, the Corn Islands are cool. It's a, it's a Caribbean vibe. It's not, not the Latin vibe that you have in the rest of Nicaragua. So the people are black. They all have dreadlocks. They all talk like they're from Jamaica. And they also speak Spanish. But they're really cool people, super friendly and they, uh, they like tourists because tourism is just now kind of starting to take off there. So it's actually cheaper. Before we went there, I was thinking it would probably be more expensive than San Juan del Sur, just, just the average cost of hotels and food and drinks and all that. But it's actually cheaper. A beer there is 25 Cordobas, which is less than a dollar. And this is at a bar. And at a restaurant, they're a little bit more. But in San Juan del Sur, they're 30 at a bar and 35 at a restaurant. So cheaper on an island than it is here on the mainland. And I think that's just because there's no, there's no tourists there yet. But they'll be there soon because it's on the Caribbean. It's got white sand, good snorkeling, great seafood. The food there was phenomenal. Uh, it was cheap, tons of lobster, shrimp, seafood. They have a soup called a rundown soup. And it's a coconut cream base and then they take and they cook a bunch of seafood and throw it in there. And they also simmer down some yucca and a couple other vegetables that I don't know what they were. But it, gets, it turns into a thick, almost like a gravy, but not quite that thick. And you can taste the coconut, and they, uh, it's delicious. So, but everyone requires a two-hour notice before you can order it. So it's kind of a hassle. You've got to figure out where you're going to want to eat two hours from now. Go there, because they don't use phones. I mean, they do, but there's no way you can find a phone number for them. Go there, tell them you want it, what time, and then come back and get it. And I had it twice. One time, it was terrible. I could tell it just wasn't made correctly. It's like someone used chicken broth and didn't put any coconut. And the second time I had it, it was superb. Thick, creamy, coconutty base. Tons of lobster, conch, shrimp, and fish. And when you're done, you are stuffed. And I think for a bowl of that stuff, it's like 12 bucks. It's, it's good. I highly recommend it. About three or four days before we got there, they shut down the boat service from Big Corn Island to Little Corn Island because it was too windy. 
So the Navy wouldn't issue permission to transfer between the two islands. And if I had to guess, I'd say it's maybe 15 miles between Big Corn and Little Corn. I'd have to look that up. Maybe 30. But either way, you have to take a tiny boat over there. Or sometimes they're not tiny. They're just sketchy. And so the Navy shut it down. They said no boats. Well, someone went rogue. They got their own boat. They got a bunch of people to pay them. They went out there, flipped the boat over. There was 15 people on the boat. Nine died. And they all had life jackets on, but for somehow or another, nine of them died. So I don't know. Maybe if you can't swim and you have a life jacket on, doesn't mean you're going to stay alive. I don't know the details. So they shut down the service between the two islands until they could get all this sorted out. It's a typical knee-jerk reaction for the way they do things down here. They also limited the ferry that goes to the island of Ometepe, which is in the middle of Lake Nicaragua. So there was people on the island, and after this little boat flipped in the Caribbean, they shut down service to or from the island in the middle of Lake Nicaragua. So there was people that were stuck on the island that couldn't get back to catch flights or catch their bus or whatever. And they finally raised enough hell that they got the government to open up and let at least a couple of ferries go. And if you could prove that you had to leave the country or you were going to miss a flight, then they would let you go. Otherwise, they kept people on the island for like two or three days. And what they said was, we're suspending all service until these ferries can get their safety standards up. So instead of having a set of regulations and standards for these guys to follow, something bad happens, knee-jerk reaction, Everyone's shut down, then they impose new regulations. can imagine how frustrating that would be to run a business like that. The plus side is that over time, they kind of get relaxed. They're not getting pressure from the higher-ups, and then they forget about everything. But anyway, my point was that we stayed on big corn because we didn't want to get stuck on little corn if they suspended the boat service or if it got a little bit choppy. We didn't want to get stuck over there. So we stayed on big corn island. We snorkeled one day, one day we hung out at the beach, and one day my two friends went to the beach, and I just went on like an adventure on foot. And I had heard that there was a guy that did boat trips from the Corn Islands to San Andreas Island. And San Andreas Island is an island that's northeast of the Corn Islands, but it's owned by Colombia. So there was a big dispute back in the day between Nicaragua and Colombia over who owned this island. And Colombia won. So even though it's much closer to Nicaragua, Colombia owns and occupies the island. And it's pretty developed from what I understand. I've looked at a few pictures of it. It's kind of a touristy island, but people from Colombia go there on vacation. But Nicaragua owns the waters around the island. So I guess they had a dispute and the agreement was, that's fine, you can have the island, but we're going to fish the waters. So Nicaraguan fishermen will go over there fish the waters, and then sell the fish right back to the Colombians on San Andreas Island. Well, I'd heard about this, and I heard about a guy that offers trips on his boat, his fishing boat. As he's going over the fish, he'll take a couple tourists with him, drop them off at the island, let them do their thing, and then they can either get back on their own, go somewhere else, or ride back with him on his next trip. So my goal was to set out and find this guy when I was in Big Corn Island. So the first thing I did was go to the dock. And I'd, I'd heard the guy's name, so I went there and started asking for him. I asked three or four people, no, nope, no one heard of him, no one heard of him. I talked to the cop. I walked up to this police officer. He's sitting on a bench playing on his teeny, teeny, tiny little cell phone, like, like a Nokia. And I'm looking at it thinking, what is he playing, Snake? Because that's about all you can do. So I break his attention from the phone, and I say, excuse me, I'm looking for Harry Martinez. 
And he just looked right back down at his phone and completely ignored me. And I said it again. And this time he didn't look up. And then I said it the third time. And he just didn't look up and shook his head. No. He didn't say a word. He just shook his head back and forth, left and right. And I thought, well, I guess that means he doesn't know who he is. So I went on about my way. Finally found a guy that says he knows him. And I said, hey, man, I'm looking for this guy. He said, yep, I'll take you to him. I know where he lives. And so I go to following this guy. And I've been around. I've traveled. I've been in some sketchy situations. I'm by no means like an expert. But I follow this guy down this trail. And now we're back in the woods. And we're back in the woods. And there's these shacks. And there's a bunch of people sitting around. And from the looks of it, they're not used to seeing gringos back there. And so we're winding around, walking through these shacks, and the, the shacks are getting smaller and rattier. And I got to thinking, like, someone could bonk me over the head, and it would be game over. And, I mean, the whole time we're walking, we're walking past guys that are sitting in a circle, hanging out, and just looking at me. And I asked the guy, I said, man, what's, what's the guy's name again or where we're going? He's like, oh, Harry Martinez. I said, okay, well, thought to myself, he knows the guy's name, so maybe he's really taking me there. He's not going to knock me over the head and take my backpack. So we finally walk up to this house. We ask, is Harry Martinez here? No. Do you know when he'll be back? No. Does he have a phone number? No. Does he have an email address? Yes. He has an email address, so we got it. After doing some asking, I found out that he does trips in April, May, June, and there. So I guess the fishing has to be good enough for him to go over there and catch the fish. So I got his email address We'll see about going there some other time. I suspect he'll never return an email. But after the guy that took me to meet him, after we were walking away from the house, he's like, man, I helped you out. You think you can help me out with something? And I said, well, that depends on what it is. And I knew he wanted some money or something. So he said, I need some groceries for my family. I said, man, no problem. And I started talking to him, and he was a lobster diver. Said he makes 10 to $15 a day on a good day, and he had five kids. And so he walked into the little, like a general store slash market area. And I said, man, you got two minutes. Get as much as you want as fast as you can. So I was like, ready, go. And so he just ran over the rice and beans. He got eight pounds of rice and eight pounds of beans, some milk, some sugar. And he's like, man, that's it. That's all I need. I was like, okay. So I paid for it. And it was like, you know, 10 bucks. And then after I paid for it, he said, well, let me get some flour. Let me get some of this. Let me get some of that. I said, no, no, no. We had a deal. Your time's up. He's like, okay, okay, no problem. He laughed it off. So I was asking him, I said, "Uh, how long will this last you? He's like, about three days. So 10 bucks will feed his family of seven for three days. That's pretty impressive. And I said, do you eat the lobster that you catch? He's like, oh, no, no way. It's way too expensive. He said, I'd much rather sell it and eat chicken or, or fish. And I said, yeah, you know, that makes sense. But he was a cool guy. If I ever go back there, I'll, I'll go find him. He also pointed me in the right direction to buy some coconut oil. Well, I thought it was the right direction. So I said, where should I buy some coconut oil? Because there are tons of coconuts over there. They make coconut oil and they make coconut bread. Uh, that's a different story. But he told me where to go find the coconut oil. He said, go to the hardware store. So I go to the hardware store. Asking for coconut oil. Well, we got to make it. You come back, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, we'll have it. So I said, how much? It was like 700 Cordobas for a gallon. 
which is 25 bucks. So I thought, well, that's not bad. $25 for a gallon of coconut oil. That's not bad. So some time goes on. I'm back at the hotel, and I asked the lady at the hotel, I said, hey, how much should I pay for a gallon of coconut oil? She goes, no more than 600 cords, which is about 20 bucks. So I said, well, the lady at the hardware store charged me 25. She goes, yeah, that's because you're white. I get it for you for 600. I said, okay, no problem. So she got me a gallon of freshly made coconut oil for $20, which in the States I think would sell for 50. Cha-ching. I ordered it, and the next morning I went down to pick it up, and she froze it for me, which was great, because that way I would make sure that it wouldn't leak in my luggage. But I go get it, and I grabbed a container, and it's like an antifreeze container. And I thought, oh, no, is this really an antifreeze container? And then I smelled it, and the outside smelled like diesel. And I just thought, man, oh, well, it's too bad. i got to buy it. So I gave her her money and took it. And uh, it still smells like diesel a little bit. I don't know if my mind's playing tricks on me, but when I open it and I smell the inside, it smells a little bit like diesel. It doesn't taste any different. What I'm going to do with a gallon of coconut oil, I have no idea. So going back to the day of the adventure, after we did the supermarket sweep, I set out back on foot, and I was looking for some street food. I was kind of hungry. It was around lunchtime. In San Juan del Sur, there's not really much street food to speak of. Well, there's like five or six different people, but they have these little carts that say like Subway hot dogs or turtle pizza or fish and chips. And you go to the fish and chips when you say, you have fish and chips? And they go, no. Hot dog? <laughs> they all have hot dogs. No matter what this says in the stand, they all have hot dogs. But in Corn Island, they have legitimate street food. So I walk up to this one and I look and he's got this big, display case just full of delicious Caribbean goodness and so I got some conch fritters like a little lobster roll and some ribs and they're like baby back ribs and they had a sauce on them that wasn't I was expecting it to be like a sweet Caribbean jerk sauce with a little bit of spice to it and it didn't have that it had a vinegary sauce that Reminds me of the Jack Miller's barbecue sauce from Louisiana. If you've never had it, you don't know what I'm talking about. But it's a vinegar-based with vinegar, onions, a little bit of mustard. Not super mustardy tasting, but really good. Awesome. I loved it. The ribs were super tender. They were phenomenal. So good. I went back the next day and got more. But as I was walking back, trying to walk off my street food coma, I walked up near the runway. And the runway is in the middle of the island, and there's roads and houses and little buildings all the way around the runway. So from the edge of the pavement on the runway, you could throw a rock underhanded and hit a house. It's that close to the runway. And half of it, there's no fence. So what they do about 10 minutes before the planes come and land, they put Nicaraguan, I don't know if it's military or police security or what, on the runway with AK-47s. I think it's just to flex their muscles. But I said, oh, man, I knew, I knew a plane was going to come land. And very seldomly can you be that close to a plane landing. So from where I was standing at the edge of the street to the edge of the pavement where the plane was going to land was maybe 20 feet. And I was a little bit nervous. But I said, man, this is a good opportunity. i got to sit here and get a video of this plane landing right in my face. So I was kind of looking at the guard, watching him, because I wanted to get up there right on the runway. 
And he was kind of looking at me, and I could tell that he knew that I was waiting for the plane. So I held up my iPhone, and I showed him, like, can I take a video of the plane? And he was like, yeah, no problem, no problem. So then I go just walking up there to go stand next to him, like next to the runway, and he wouldn't let me do that. He said, no, no, you have to go way back there. So I said, okay. So I went out a little bit. And then right as the plane came in and started landing, I popped out and took some video. And before he could say a word to me, the plane had already landed, and I had already walked away. But I was 15 feet away from the wingtip. I'm not exaggerating. you got to love third-world countries. One of the nights on the island, we decided to go to a baseball game. And it's funny because throughout the day, we kept asking everyone, what time is the baseball game? And nobody knew. They said, mm, I don't know. It's either going to be like 3 or 5 or 7. And so what everyone told us was, just look when you drive by. If people are out there warming up, then they're going to play that night. <laughs> And I thought, we're not just going to keep driving by the baseball stadium to see someone's playing. So we just agreed to go over there around 6.30 and see what was happening. So we show up, 6.30. We pay our $1 entrance to the baseball game, and we sit down. And my friend Lindsay had told me a couple days before about when they got in a cab, and she said this guy's name was Bigfoot. And he was a Caribbean guy, you know, from Corn Islands. And he, like, held up his foot to show her how big his feet were. And his hands were, like, monstrous. And it, and it was kind of a funny story. So we go, we sit down, and Bigfoot recognizes Lindsay and Tyla. And he says, oh, and he comes and sits next to me. And he's drinking this stuff that on this side of Nicaragua is called Hoyita. It's just a neutral grain spirits, 28% alcohol. It's just made to get you drunk. It doesn't taste like anything, just alcohol. Over there... It's not called Hoyita, it's called Estrellita, which means little star. So he had him a little plastic bottle of little star and a bottle of water, and he'd hit that little star, and he'd chase it with water. And so he sat down next to me, and when he first started talking, he was hilarious, funny, making funny jokes. They play reggae music the entire time during the baseball game, not just when the batter's getting ready to come up to the plate the entire time, while he's batting, in the middle of a play, the radio never stops and there's no announcer. And he knew every single reggae song, every single word, and he was singing and dancing and jiving, and he kept telling me, you come to Corn Island and you miss Bigfoot, you miss it all. <laughs> I guess that's his way of saying, like, he is Corn Island. But as the game went on, he was getting more drunk and more obnoxious. And everyone around me saw this. So, I finally got to the point where I had to start messing with him just a little bit. Not too much, just a little. But by the end of the game, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. But he thought he was being hilarious because he'd say four or five words and then he would just die laughing. And he always, about every 15 minutes, would hold up his feet to show me how big his feet were. And they were not pretty. But they were massive. Size 15, according to Bigfoot. And, of course, he pulled the classic, you know what they say about guys with big feet. And I said, they wear big shoes? And then he started laughing. He thought that was highly, highly funny. Another funny thing about the baseball game, well, not just the baseball game, but the entire island, is that they have two kinds of music that play on the radio. They have reggae, and on the reggae station, they also play some reggaeton. And reggaeton is like 
it's kind of Latin-y. It's sung in Spanish, but kind of like a reggae, but like more beats, more electronic. It's terrible. It's just torturous. The reggae is good. The reggaeton sounds like ear vomit. But anyway, so they have that station, and they have one that plays nothing but old-school country. I'm talking like George Jones, Hank Sr., even George Strait, as new as Alan Jackson, like as new as the old Alan Jackson was the newest thing that I heard. And they love it, and they sing to it. They know all the words. They karaoke to it. And it was just so funny. You'd think that they would be more with the Latin side. So I could never figure out why they all listen to it. Every cab we got into, I would say, hey, why do you guys listen to old country? He would just say, I don't know. That's just what we, what we listen to. Every single cab that we got into was playing it. One guy was even playing a CD. It wasn't even on the radio. So he likes it that much or he's playing his own. And so we get back to San Juan and I run into my buddy Sumi, who's from Pearl Lagoon, which is on the Caribbean side as well. It's just further north. And I was like, Sumi, why does everyone listen to old country in the Corn Islands? And he just started laughing. He said, man, you want to know why? Because back in like the 60s and 70s, and I think he said all the way up until the mid-80s, they could pick up radio stations from Texas and sometimes Louisiana. But he said, so they would tune in to whatever radio station they would get. And he said, sometimes it would only play for like 10 minutes, then it would go fuzzy again. And you had like the old dial. He said, you would sit there and turn the dial a little bit, and you'd put your antenna as high as you could get it. And he said, we loved it because we could get news, commercials. We got the gringo culture. We get everything from Texas. And he said, that's why we fell in love with that music. That's all we had. That's the only radio station we could get. And so that's just stuck with him. So it'll be interesting to see how much longer they like old country because they're not accepting the new country. He didn't know. I talked to Sumi about it. And he knew all the old country artists, but he doesn't know any of the newer ones. And I found great enjoyment in that. Another thing that's cool and or funny there is that you can ride anywhere on the island for a dollar for a taxi. Now, you don't hire the taxi. You pay per person. So there were three of us together. So the three of us would get in, and normally the, I would get in the front, the two girls would get in the back, and there would be one seat open in the back seat. So if we, were, if we had a far journey, the taxi driver would stop and just pick up random people. And you never know what you're going to get. And every time... The two girls would pray for someone normal or no one at all. And I would pray for the loudest, craziest, smelliest person to get in the back seat with them. And it was pretty funny. We, a couple times we had some characters. One time a taxi stopped. There were three of us walking down the road. We tried to hail a taxi. He stopped and we looked in and it looked full to us. There was like three people in the back seat and one in the front plus the driver. So there's five people in the car. And the three in the back were kind of kids. You know, they were smaller. And so we're like, oh, no, sorry, we didn't know you were full. And he goes, no, no, it's fine, brother. Get in, get in. And we're like, there's no room. So he took two kids and put them up in the front seat with the mom. So now there was three in the front. And he took the son, who was maybe seven or eight. And it's like this tiny little Kia hatchback. And he, like, crams the son in the hatchback portion. He's like, oh, get out, get out. So he gets his son out, runs around to the back, opens the hatchback shoves him in there, closes it, and he goes, they got to learn, they got to learn. Come on, y'all get in. So we got in there, and this thing was riding low. I thought we were going to rip the whole thing apart. 
So we're talking to the son, and uh, he kept saying, he's got to learn. He's got to learn to ride back there. And so I looked at the son, and I go, well, have you learned? He goes, yeah, I've learned. <laughs> so we get out, we pay the cab, and I give the son a little extra tip for riding back in the trunk. So those were the highlights of the Corn Island trip. It was a pretty cool place. I like it over there. I would recommend going for either a long time, like a month or two, or maybe just three or four days. But nothing in between because you'll run out of stuff to do. And if you're staying for like a month or two, it kind of feels like you live there. You don't feel like you have to be doing stuff. You can just relax and do stuff when you want to do it. We went snorkeling too, which was awesome. I mean, it wasn't uh, super bright reef colors, but there were some reefs. There were greenish color, but the fish were tropical colored. Caribbean, you know, all the different colors of the rainbow. I saw a big eagle ray, which was very cool. It looks like a stingray, but they don't sting you. They jump out of the water and fly a little bit. But this guy was swimming along, probably four foot wide, and just one dude by himself just swimming along. I tried to keep up with him, but he was way faster. So that was a Corn Island trip in a blur. Uh, check it out if you can. The flights from Managua to Corn Islands are like 100 bucks each way, so it's not too bad. The hotel that we stayed at wasn't exactly nice. It's typical, like one lady, she's got four or five different little cabanas. They have a first floor and a second floor that are separated, so you either get a first top floor room or a bottom floor room. $45 a night, and she had a little restaurant. She'd get back there and cook. She cooked breakfast, four bucks. There was a cooler that was on the honor system, so you could go in there anytime, get yourself a drink, mark it down to your tab, and you just pay when you're done. I think it was 45 a night, and that was you could run the air conditioner wide-ass open. She didn't care. So it was pretty cool. Not super nice, but super value. I sort of have an announcement to make. Not life-changing. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But there will be a new family member to the pack at Casa de Harper. I'm getting a puppy in March. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a Belgian Malinois. M-A-L-I-N-O-I-S. Similar to a German Shepherd, but much cooler, much smarter in my opinion. And in fact, I have some names that I want to put out there and I want to get people's votes and opinions on. All my dogs have been named after cars. Chevy, Blazer, which technically was my mom's dog, but it was kind of like Bofars. So Chevy, Blazer, Bentley, and Bronco is who I have now. So I'd like to keep up the car tradition names. I think that'd be cool to name every dog that I have after some kind of car or vehicle. Because I like cars. And I like dogs. But I think it's cool to name dogs funny names that you would never name a person. I don't understand it when people name dogs people names. But regardless, I need some help picking out a name. So the names that I have, I've got five of them so far. Phantom, which is made by Rolls-Royce. And then Barracuda, which was an old sports car from the 60s and 70s, but I would call it Cuda for short. Or Tundra, which is a truck made by Toyota. Or Viper, which Dodge Viper, we all know, is a sports car. And then recently one's kind of jumped out at me. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. So Tacoma is a truck made by Toyota, also, 
and I thought about naming it Tacoma and calling him Taco for short. It's going to be a male. I thought it would be funny to have a dog named Taco. Please email me, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com and let me know your top three. But all that was just a lead-in to a story that happened to me day before yesterday. My buddy Jerry, which you've heard him on the podcast before, if you've listened to all of them, has a friend named Jason. And Jason's in his early to mid-40s maybe, but he's been down here for, I think, 15 years. And he's one of those guys that's just a tinkerer. He can fix anything. He can make anything. He's got every tool you can think of. He enjoys it. He has a company. He built swimming pools. But he's just really handy, really crafty, full of knowledge. So I told Jerry, I said, man, I need to get a pin for this puppy that I'm getting, like a six or seven foot diameter pin. They call them X pins. They kind of fold up into like a square and you can unfold them. And that way the puppy can be in a pin where it can't get into trouble and still with you in the middle of the living room or your bedroom or wherever and not in a crate. And so I said, I need to see if he'll make me one of these because you can't buy them down here. And it costs too much to get one here from the States. So I was going to go to Jason and just let him use his imagination, let him pick whatever kind of materials he wanted to use, tell him what I wanted. So we sit down, we go over to his house, we sit down with him in his shop, and I show him a picture on my iPad. He goes, man, you're not going to believe this. And I think to myself, he's going to say that he just saw somebody buy one or saw where somebody had sold one. And he goes, there's one for sale right now in Revis. And my eyes just lit up the size of golf balls. And I was like, really? He said, yep, it was there three days ago. My wife saw it. He goes, go to the secondhand store in Rivas, and it'll probably still be there. I thought, man, talk about a blessing. So Jerry and I hop in the truck. We go to Rivas. We go to the secondhand store. And stupid, stupid, stupid me walks in there. I look around for a brief second. I go up to the counter. I'm like, hey, do you have this? And I showed him a picture of it. And right then, I gave myself away. I showed my cards, and the guy knew that I wanted it. So Jason told me that they were originally asking $20. So I walk in there. I show him the iPad. I'm like, you have this? He goes, yeah, it's right over there. And I thought, yes. And I go, how much? He's like, 40 And I was like, no, no, no. And then I realized what I did. I was like, Brandon, you idiot. He marched in there asking for something. He knew you needed it, and he doubled the price. So I go, oh, no, 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 that's far too much. I was like, I was thinking maybe 15, 10. He's like, 30, that's my final price. And I was like, Ugh. forked over $30, and I took it. But either way, in the grand scheme of things, I'm much happier to pay 30 for one that was made in the States for that purpose and not have to beg someone to make me one at a scrap metal. So I got the pin, I came back, happy as a lark. Well, now I've gone over my self-imposed time limit. But next week, I'm going to talk about something that everyone's fussing about. Everyone's making a big deal. Everyone's calling and emailing, texting me, asking me about the Zika virus. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm going to give you all the facts and let you make your own decision. But I think it's super dangerous. So if you're thinking about relocating to Nicaragua, you should probably just stay where you are. And that wraps up today's show. 
thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf.com, or send me an email, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. And this is Reggaeton. Listen at your own risk. Do not worry about addiction because it will not happen. Good luck. Se sorprenden por la suma que cargamos en dinero La cantidad de cienes que multiplicamos en el juego Lo mino desde arriba Aunque intentan tocar el cielo No tocarán la cima Primero lo mata su ego Yo salí del barrio y el barrio me convirtió en guerrero Hoy en día viajo el mundo Ya casi lleno el hemisferio Millones de personas que siguen mi movimiento Otros esperan que de la caiga No creo, lo siento Mucho sudor y lágrimas Cuerpo, alma, en tarima Mi vieja me cuida de arriba Se la hace posible que se derrumba el sudor y lágrima, cuerpo, alma en tarima Mi vieja me cuida de arriba Se la hace posible que se derrumba el sudor Soldado callejero, ese soy yo